ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhind, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, Purpose Girls. So this week I had my first internet hater. Maybe you're out there listening. Someone who took on to social media to tell me that I was repulsive and revolting and a bore and would not let up. And anything that I had been feeling really good about myself because of the messages that you send me, because of the work that I'm doing with my coaching clients, because of just knowing that I'm making a difference, suddenly just got like cut off, ripped off. It felt like this person had taken a knife to my heart and stabbed me and And even though my rational, logical brain knew this is just a troll, this is a hater, I'm triggering something. Lots of people told me it means that you're actually like increasing your impact. Being cut down from my fullness hurt. And it reminded me, uh, I just felt like I was back in middle school. And maybe you've had this experience in your company. Maybe you've had this experience with other football or soccer moms. Maybe you've had this experience with family members when you say, hey, I have this dream of opening an Etsy store or I have this dream of, you know, writing a book. And they're like, well, who do you think you are? You can't do that. What are you talking about? Well, what's that going to mean to us? So this is a real thing. Other people trying to cut down our fullness. And we need these tools and we need the strategies and we need the strength and we need the sisterhood to overcome it. Because us living in our fullness, us living our greatness, us giving our full contribution and beauty and strengths and talents and gifts and wisdom to the world is how we live on purpose. And that is how this world is going to change. And so my guest today is going to help us with that. Dr. Rumi Bilan is an award-winning, internationally recognized entrepreneur, a learning architect, author, speaker, humanitarian, She raises human potential and builds resilient leaders. She is one of Canada's top 100 most powerful women. And her work has been in Forbes, The Globe and Mail, The Financial Post and more. She's the president of Viewpoint Leadership and an expert on psychological capital and resilience. And she has released the most wonderful book called Who Do I Want to Become? Which is how she and I met because I was giving a talk on purpose in Toronto and she came up to me and she's like, oh my God, you and I are so aligned and I love this woman. This book, Who Do I Want to Become? is a book for anyone of any age who has ever been stumped by that question of what do I want to be when I grew up? Who am I? What do I want to do? She contributes to social impact initiatives that improve access to and quality of education in North America, South America, and Africa. Through her work, she provides a platform that encourages youth, women, communities, and organizations to envision what could be possible. She is a beautiful, beautiful woman inside and out. I am pleased, proud to call her a colleague, a sister, and a friend. Rumi, welcome to the Purpose Girl podcast. Thank you so very much for that wonderful introduction and for having me on. And thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that story. I think that was very impactful and very important for you to share and for us to hear it. 
Mm, thank you for saying that. It's really been something I have been crying through, moving my body through, screaming through, leaning into my sisters through. And this is a real thing, right? You call this the tall poppy syndrome or the tallest poppy syndrome. And this is a real thing, right? Where successful women can pay a high price for success. So I want to hear more. What is the tallest poppy syndrome? And then let's talk about the impact that it's having on people. Absolutely. And with your story, I just wanted to add in there that individual was just not ready to hear your message. And Hmm. because they're not ready to hear your message, that's when it sounds like they go into the attack mode. So oftentimes it has nothing to do with the person they're attacking. It actually has to do with themselves and the insecurity perhaps they're coming from or um, how they're viewing success. So I wanted to start off with that. So the top poppy syndrome Hmm. It was a term and that, thank you. Yeah. By the way, real quick, thank you for that. And and I know that. And then there's like this 12 year old inside of me that's like, yeah. ouch, you know. But thank you. So yeah, um, I so appreciate that. And and I'm sure that that's what others, that's the same as anyone who gets cut down. So yeah, tell us, what is the tallest poppy syndrome? So tall poppy syndrome, it was a term that was coined in Australia. And the metaphor relates to the fact that poppies are supposed to grow together. And when one poppy grows too tall, it gets cut down right? So it gets cut down Mm. to size. And so how do we relate that to successful men and women? Well, when men and women, they succeed, others, instead of congratulating them, they actually resent, attack, or ostracize them. They cut them down to size. And so Mm. I led a study last year in 2018 in partnership with Thompson Rudders and Women of Influence. It was a Canadian study. And what we wanted to find out was whether or not tall poppy syndrome was happening in Canada to who, at what level, and how, and what was the impact. What we found through our study, we had over 1,500 people respond to our survey. 87% had indicated that their achievements were undermined by others at work. So 87% of women that responded had experienced tall poppy syndrome. And when we looked at kind of um, what was this impact on the individual, the number one thing that respondent said was that it impacted their self-esteem and self-confidence. They ended up downplaying or not sharing their achievements, and they engaged more so with negative self-talk. And so on the individual, the impact of others, the opinions of others is huge. And when we think about Mm -hmm. that, you know, if I were to give you 100 pieces of feedback and 98 pieces of feedback were positive and two were negative, what do you spend the most time on? Of course, the two. Right? That's where we put our energy. And if you think about that, we're putting our energy in the opinions of others, which oftentimes isn't even about us. It's about Mm -hmm. them and what they might be going through. And that's where we spend our time. We forget about the 98%. And I mean, when we look Mm -hmm. at this, yes, it impacts the individuals, but it actually has a huge impact for employers and organizations. 70% of respondents, they said they have a lack of trust among coworkers. 70% of respondents said that it impacted their productivity. And 50% said that it impacted their desire to apply for a promotion and they left the organization. 
So these oh are, they're losing your top talent. These are high achievers. Don't you want to keep your successful employees? And so it's costing organizations even more to replace employees that have been cut down. And so it was quite a telling story. We had over, or a survey, we had over 248 pages of data. Wow. Wow. There's so much here. I mean, there, it's like, I just want to unpack this whole thing. So 87% of respondents felt that their achievements had been undermined by others at work. Yes. I mean, that is huge. So I know I've experienced it. I'm sure you've experienced it. You know, let's start there. Did you become interested in this because you've experienced this yourself? That's an, a great question. How this study actually came about is I was having a luncheon with uh, 20 incredible women that I knew. And what I wanted to do at this luncheon is I just wanted them to meet each other. And so we um, all gathered, we had a wonderful meal. And all of a sudden, these stories started popping up about being cut down and the importance of supporting each other. And it's through their anecdotes that I realized that, yes, I've experienced it myself in various different forms. And I actually use it now as a verb. If something happens, I'll kind of turn around <laughs> and say, okay, I've just been tall poppied. <laughs> so it's a verb to me now. Um, yeah. But what I realized was so many people were experiencing it. And this study that we conducted last year focused on women and um, that had to do with their distribution. And men experience it too. I wanted to put that out there. Men experience mm -hmm. it just in different ways. Um, and what mm. I mean by that is when we surveyed women, what they had said was that it's actually both men and women that bring them down, um, but it was men in CEO roles and women in peer and colleague roles that were more likely to bring them down. And so I think men do absolutely experience top poppy syndrome, but just it could be different in terms of who's cutting them down and what positions they hold. And we focused on women here and the stories that came out were mind-blowing. I, I We had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of respondents share their stories. I actually couldn't read them all at once because it was disheartening. And um, I'm glad that we did the study, but it was because of that luncheon that inspired this idea that people do go through this. We don't talk about it and we should talk about it so that we know what to do the next time it happens. Mm, mm. Just as example, I would do, do any, is there one or two stories that really stand out for you? Oh, there are so many stories that stand out. Um, I remember reading this one story about a woman and she was sharing how she received a promotion. And there was this monthly newsletter that goes out to all the employees. And usually in that newsletter, they include promotions. Um, and nobody in her organization had congratulated her. Her manager didn't say anything. And when she got this newsletter, it actually acknowledged another colleague for installing a compost toilet at their cottage and didn't acknowledge her for her promotion. And I remember oh, what she God. said. She said, there you have it. In, in, in the survey, she said, there you have it. I am less than a composting toilet. Yeah, I'm less than poo. Yeah. I mean, really is what we're talking about. That hurts so much. It's hurtful. It, it hurts so much. And, you know, this whole idea, of, of course, it makes sense that when that happened to her, my little example of the Internet this week and so many examples from your study and that I'm sure all of us listening to this have have experienced or many of us. What's happening there, right, is that 
we all want love. I mean, I think it's like base psychology that underneath everything, we're wanting to be loved. And of course, it's evolutionary because we needed our tribe to, you know, our early ancestors needed the tribe to love them and support them and care for them in order to protect them against any predators. And so, of course, when our quote unquote tribe, whether that is your family, that is your group of friends, whether that is your group of colleagues, when they try to cut you down or you see that you being bigger is detrimental, then you're going to, of course, want to become smaller. You're going to feel bad. You're going to want to leave the company or you're going to want to hide or maybe not go for the promotion and it's going to end up making you feel bad about yourself. And it's it's really just a primal brain evolutionary defense mechanism that's happening there. So when we talk about the, how these women felt, right, and how many of them they wanted, like you said, to leave the company or all the negative self-talk. I mean, I'm reading your study and 64% said that it gave them lower self-esteem and self-confidence. 46% said it led to negative self-talk. So these are big issues, which of course then lead to a woman not asking for the next promotion, not putting her fullness out into the world, not going for her purpose. It feels a little bit like, you know, the original theory in positive psychology where it was based on was called learned helplessness. And this idea that if we've been knocked down over and over and over again, we think that there's nothing we can do to rise back up. So what do you notice about these women who, who say, you know, this tall poppy syndrome being cut down led to all this low self-esteem and negative self-talk. So what, how did that impact their future? That's an excellent question. And I, I want to build on what you just said about love. And a part of that, a huge part of that is belonging, right? This need for belonging mm. and this desire for belonging. And with that, we need trust. And if we don't trust the people we work with, if we don't trust our organization, and mind you, there was one question in the survey that asked if um, individuals experience tall poppy syndrome outside of the workplace, will you believe that 43.9%, so 44% of women said yes, and they had experienced it through their friends and social network? Like if we're not having it, experiencing it in our organizations, we're experiencing it outside. And who are our friends that are cutting us right. down, uh, right? Please, girlfriends, yeah. please. <laughs> that new friends, I am your friend. I will be your friend, okay? Like <laughs> join, that's why I'm always telling all of you out there to join my Purpose Girls Facebook group because it yeah. is a 100% supportive, loving group. And we've got we to gotta cut those friends out. Yes, yes. So, so it's happening friends. in- Yes. They're not friends. Yes. Right. So it's happening in work and it's happening out of work. And it's not just men doing this to women. This is not man-hating. Women are doing this to women. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. Everyone is doing it to everyone. That's what our data shows. And that's disheartening if we think about that. And, and some of the data um, in, in our open-ended questions, women were actually thinking it was women doing it to women. And our data debunked that myth. It's men and women doing it to women. And I think from what I was reading is that it hurts more when women do it to women because of this idea that we should be supporting each other. And I can't tell you how many times people in the survey spoke about mental health, spoke mm -hmm. about stress, spoke about anxiety, depression. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about this piece is that 
it has such a huge impact. There was one quote, a woman said, I had to choose between being a high achiever and my mental health. Ooh. Right. Think about that. And so it's not just about, oh, someone made a comment. And you know what's interesting? I The study was um, shared and someone made a comment to me. They said, well, why do women need validation? And I was like, mm. wait a second. <laughs> this has nothing to do with women needing validation. What they actually don't need is for people to bring them down. Right. right, right. If you have nothing nice to say, right? Mom always said you just say nothing at all. So this is not about needing the validation and approval. This is about just not being cut down. Exactly. And by the way, I actually think that we all need, because of what you said with belonging, which just totally like melted my whole body. We all need a little bit of validation, a little bit of love. Um, and that's not what you're talking. You know, you're, you're just saying to not cut down, but this idea that we have to that this woman had to choose between success and mental health this is an issue because i want every woman listening to this to feel like she does not have to make that choice but that she can have both so what do we do when we're experiencing this do we just say forget it i won't shine brightly i won't share my brilliance i won't go for the promotion i mean do we just pack up and go home no Please don't, because <laughs> that uh, amen. We, amen. Let, we let the opinions of those win, and that's what we don't want to do. Mm. Um, I've spoken mm. with uh, many women one-on-one who have experienced top poppy syndrome, and I always ask them, what did you need in that moment? And the same thing comes up again and again and again, and they say two things. One thing is, I wish someone said something. I wish someone who saw what was happening or when I told someone what was happening, I wish they stood up for me. I wish they said something. I wish that um, basically you see something, say something. And then the second thing they all said was, I wish my self-confidence was higher. I wish Mm -hmm. I didn't let it impact me as much as it did. And so Mm -hmm. when we think about self-confidence and I connect this to psychological capital, Psychological capital has five different components to it. One is our self-trust, right? Knowing who we are, who we want to become. And I know you're going to love this, knowing what our purpose is, right? And living Mm. that purpose. Then we've got objective Mm. reasoning. Are we seeing things as they are? So when someone is making a negative comment to me, am I looking at that objectively or am I taking it personally? right? Is it because this person may be threatened? Is it because this person um, is envious? Is it because this person isn't living out their own purpose, right? And they see Mm -hmm. me living out mine. Is that why this is happening? So looking at situations objectively is so critical. The next thing we look at is possibility thinking, right? Not limiting our possibilities based on the opinions of others, right? And these are high achieving women that are accomplishing so much. And instead of not applying for the promotion, thinking about, well, how am I going to get to the next step if they choose to stay in that organization, right? Not limiting the possibilities that are available to us. And then the fourth one is perseverance. We all have experienced obstacles, setbacks, and challenges. And it's actually inevitable that we're going to continue to face obstacles, challenges, and setbacks. This is life. Life happens. But persevering through that 
is so, so critical. Having contingency plans, you know, if it doesn't work out in this organization, I'm going to take my skill set and go somewhere else or start up my own shop. And we actually found mm. a lot of women respond with that, that they started their own business. And mm. organizations should fear that. These are high achieving, mm. successful women that are starting up their own businesses that might become direct competitors for you. Do mm -hmm. you really want to lose this talent? The fifth one is resilience, the ability to bounce back and go beyond. So it's not just about bouncing back, but it's about learning and growing from these obstacles, setbacks and experiences that we have and understanding that, you know, this is just a part of the experience, what am I going to do next? And just learning, mm. growing, finding meaning and value in that. And I know that at the time that it happens, that can be difficult because it's hurtful. It's hurtful when we're ostracized, but we can learn mm. and grow from that. Many women responded saying, you know, based on, because of my experience, I will never do that to somebody, right? I'm going mm. to mentor young women. And that's a beautiful thing. So they've learned mm -hmm. and they've grown from their experiences. Oh, I love this so much. In positive psychology, we call that post-traumatic growth, right? There's this idea of being resilient, which is bouncing back. So let's say you're bouncing around at life around, let's say, hovering at a plus five on a scale of zero to 10 or negative 10 to positive 10. And then you get cut down, whether it's within your social group, at work, by a family member. I had a client just last night tell me that as she was sharing her dreams and ideas and purpose with family members, they just completely cut her down, which of course is their own stuff, right? That's the objective that you were talking about because they didn't fulfill their own dreams. They didn't pause to think about doing life differently. And so, you know, if that knocks you down to a negative four, resilience is bouncing back to either baseline zero or bouncing back to where you were at the five. But this idea, you said bounce back and beyond. The beyond, what I'm hearing and I love is really growing from that is turning the challenge that you've had, the being cut down into purpose, into something meaningful, into new possibilities, into greater hope. And that, you know, into wisdom that you can share with others. And that is huge, right? That's how we're really going to change the world. That's exactly it. And instead of going through the experience and then cutting down others and just being a part of that game, it's to be above that. Right? We yeah. know how much it impacts us. So why is it that we would do that to others? And we can use this information, we can use these experiences to empower us to not only fulfill our purpose, but also to help others fulfill theirs. And that's mm. a beautiful thing. This is so incredible. So anyone who's listening to this, if they're within a human resources department or they run a company, what do, what do we tell the organizations out there? What do we tell the companies about how to keep your women? Because the research is super clear that the companies who have women in the executive suite, in management roles, outperform, right? They're more productive, they're more innovative, and more profitable. So what do we what do we tell the companies? How do they deal with this? The first thing they need to do is build awareness. Right. And so we actually posed this question to our respondents. The top three things that came out, one was training and training in sensitivity and diversity, uh, emotional intelligence, so many different things that came up in terms of training that would be effective. The other thing that came out was start at the top. And it really does start at the top. Leadership sets the tone. And I kind of have an issue with that because what if it's coming from leadership? 
What if it's leadership that is bringing others down? And so I connect this to building awareness. Many people aren't even aware that this is occurring within their organizations. And that's why I call it the silent systemic syndrome, because it's silent. No one's talking about it, but it's happening. So building the awareness that what is tall poppy, how does it happen, and then what is the impact of it, I think is critical for HR. And then also sharing where people can go right? Whether you have an employee assistance program, whether you have um, a mental health initiative, allowing your employees to know that there is an outlet or someone to talk to, I think is critical. In Canada, at any given week, 500,000 people don't show up to work because of mental health issues. 500,000. Right. Mm. And so mm. that for organizations is really important to know. And also, what are we going to do about it? HR plays a critical role, but it's not just HR. It's every single person in the organization. I don't care if you're frontline. I don't care if you're the CEO. Every single person has a responsibility. If they see something, they need to say something. Right. So critical. Mm, I love this. I love this. And it's so critical. And you and I met at a positive psychology conference, right? So it isn't just mental health. If you notice someone is depressed or you notice someone is anxious. I mean, this is how do we get proactive about our mental health? How do we accept not just, okay, I'm not depressed or I'm not anxious or I'm not suffering from PTSD, but mental health in how do I flourish? How do I thrive? both as an individual and then within an organization. And when I see a lot of companies, it's incredible now how many wellness programs there are. So many of the wellness programs, though, are around physical fitness, which is wonderful. Big, huge fan. We need that. And physical fitness, of course, is is correlated with mental well-being. We need companies also and individuals really saying, what would it look like for me to be my happiest self, for me to flourish, for me to be my most joyful, fulfilled loving, serene, peaceful self. Exactly. And so I do workshops with grade seven and eight students um, on who do I want to mm -hmm. become based on the book that uh, was released just last year. And one of the pieces uh, that we get them to respond at the end of the workshop is who do I want to be when I grow up and why? And mm -hmm. one of the quotes, and we've worked with over 1500 students, one of the quotes that stands out to me so much is this one, I want to be myself Everyone deserves to be themselves. And how many times do we lose who it is that we are because we're trying to meet the expectations of someone else or because someone else has put us down? And mm. it's being who we are. And if we're mm. able to do that within our organizations, that is the most powerful. That's when we're the most productive. That's when we contribute the most. We far too often talk about absenteeism. How many of us actually talk about presenteeism? Right. People might show up, <laughs> yes. but are they engaged? Are they themselves? Right. And let's yes. focus on that. And, and this is amen within a company, within your family unit, at dinner, right? In pastime. I mean, this is incredible. And I do want to talk about your book, Who Do I Want to Become? Because this is how you and I met. I was giving a talk on purpose and really focusing in on how I don't like that we ask so many kids, what do you what do you want to be or what do you want to do when you grow up? Because it gets people really, it gets kids thinking about that they have to, you know, be a cer one certain job and how many do they know and really takes them off of the self-exploration of who am I 
when do I feel lit up? What are my strengths and what's my contribution? And your book has has become a number one bestseller on Amazon. So tell us, it's, it's incredible. Tell us about who do I want to become? Thank you for that. Um, it, it really came out of the work that I've been doing um, with different school boards. And actually, 10 years ago, I was traveling quite a bit abroad to do school building initiatives in different parts of the world. And when I met with the children in different countries and in very rural areas um, in these countries, I always asked them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And when they responded, they actually shared with me who they wanted to be, not what. And that, (laughs) that resonated with me. And this was during the time um, of the market crash in 2008. And why that resonated so much was because position titles come and go. The what Mm. comes and goes, but the who, the who you are, that psychological capital Right. And so it was because of those experiences that led me to do um, a TEDx talk on who do you want to be when you grow up? And that led to various workshops with uh, students uh, in grade seven through to 12. And what ended up happening is someone said to me, they're like, well, what about K to six? What about kindergarten students? What about grade six students? And that led me to uh, create my picture book called Who Do I Want to Become, which is actually for adults as well, I think, because we're still trying to figure out, I think, what we want to be and who we want to be and the legacy that we want to leave. And it goes to purpose. And I loved your talk at the Positive Psychology Conference because everything you were saying was resonating, right? It's about mm. purpose. It's, it's, we talk about passion. No, it's not about passion. Our passions change based mm-hmm. on our experiences. Mm-hmm. Our purpose doesn't. And when we identify yes. what that is, we get closer to who it is that we are. And that's yes. powerful. Yes, thank you. I mean, you and I were like, like immediately, (laughs) like connected at that conference because purpose is not being. It's not a job title. It's not being a a teacher. It's not being even a parent or being an architect. It is being your full self in the world and doing what's in your heart in a way that impacts others. And so, this is this is so incredible. And tell us, Rumi, where can people find the book? Where can they find you? Where can they find out more about tall poppy syndrome and the report? Thank you. So if you visit my website at RumiBillen.com, it's everything is available for you there. We also have a dedicated website for the book, who do I want to become.com. And what I've included are free lesson plans, as well as worksheets and a parent guide on how we can continue that conversation with our children. So all of those resources are available available for free. You can download uh, the tall poppy syndrome white paper from my personal website. And please always feel free to connect. I'm happy to share any resources that I can help uh, that I do have and always happy to support in any way that I can. Mm, Amazing. And all of those links, of course, are in the show notes. So Rumi, one quick thing I love to do with all my guests is to ask a question that I I call it purpose power play round. And I'm just going to ask you one question. Okay. So who do you want to become or who are you? I want to be someone who is kind and that's who I want to Mm -hmm. be known for. Oh, oh, that is so good. (laughs) And that's purpose, right? Everyone out there, that is purpose. So as you know who you want to be and who I want to be is inspiring. I love That's it. what I want to be known for. Yeah, it's such a good question. And thank you for helping us reframe purpose. Thank you for helping us feel into how we become our brightest, biggest, tallest, most beautiful version of ourselves. 
and how we keep going with psychological capital. This is this is huge. It's very important to to succeed. So all of you out there, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of the Purpose Girl podcast. We hope that you loved it. If you did, please leave that five-star review. We love hearing from you. In fact, I want to read a review of the week. This one is from Allison Thompson in New York. She says, I really appreciate Karen's vulnerability. She shares a lot of her own personal stories, which makes me feel like she's in the trenches with me rather than just lecturing from a podium. I appreciate the authenticity. To me, there is nothing more real than someone saying, hey, I'm on this journey too. Karen helped me realize in this podcast how self-love and self-acceptance are daily practice. Thank you, Allison, so much for saying that. It means so much to me. And it is comments like yours that are leading other women to find our community, find our Purpose Girl podcast. This isn't about me. It's about us becoming the brilliant, bright women that we were born to be. So please, if you haven't yet done so, please pause this for two minutes. Go ahead onto Apple Podcast or whatever your podcast app is and leave that review. That's how more women find us. Of course, we want you over in the free Facebook group. You can find it Purpose Girls, colon, the Women's Happiness Network, or just type in Purpose Girls. You will find us. We post three, four times a week, motivational questions, motivational quotes, lots of sisterhood happening, lots of support for you to be the tallest poppy you can possibly be. Of course, you can find me on Instagram at Karen Rockhind, and you can find me on my Facebook page, Coach Karen Rockhind. I love, love, love hearing from you. I love you leading me, leaving me a voicemail. You can go to PurposeGirl.com forward slash voicemail. And as always, please share this with the women that you know and love who need this, who want to be their tallest selves, because that's how we change the world one woman at a time. May you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Rumi, thank you, thank you, thank you. Everyone out there, bye for now.